0: Greetings and salutations to our podcast audience. I Hello. also say greetings. Yes. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. Doing on this good. on this very dark and dreary day.
1: I know. Yep. But I like it. It's a little I like cooler. It too. It's a yes. little nicer outside. You know, pre-coming
2: on, we were treated to sounds that uh, I think there's a sound that Joel has given us, our... A signal. Our, our producer. Our producer. producer. gives General. us a new signal. We had a little issue with uh, Jason's mic, and he said, if you hear me do yeah did you i don't know if y'all heard that or not i hope you can hear it, <laughs> it it's a, it's called a gillespie bird yes yeah. it, does, it is now <laughs> it's a bird sound and he's supposed to do something with his mic if you, so if you hear that during the middle of it <coughs> yes now you I'm know just, now i'm just, now you just know. fixing
0: my mic so don't worry about it don't worry so, about it
2: yep all so, right
0: so here we are
2: that was our entertainment that's our introduction we foisted it off on you yes yeah. you're welcome <laughs>
0: So We're going to start a little bit different today. Um for those of you who uh have been joining us in our online experience on Sundays, uh we've been doing something we call the virtual lobby. The virtual lobby. It sounds virtual very lobby. mysterious, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's a little a bit virtual a little bit. lobby Come
2: into the virtual
0: lobby. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> And uh, in that virtual lobby, it's just it's just right before the service gets started. Yeah, it's, it's just for people just for people coming to to in or into to connect. We've it been trying also to connect people.
2: after the service is yeah. over? Well, yes. that's, the lobby is in and out. <laughs> Ed, that's that's
0: right. Right.
1: You okay. got
2: to come into the lobby <laughs> to get <laughs> into the service. out.
0: It's what a lobby does. rude when you so, leave
2: the service without going through man, the lobby. It'd be strange.
0: We ask questions in our virtual lobby now, and we I do. was I was looking through some of those, and I thought, oh, these are fun questions. Why don't we take a stab at some of these? Are they
2: questions like, can Joel make bird sounds? Well, we know <laughs> we the <can> answer, answer <laughs> to
0: that. that one. We have already answered that one, and it is an emphatic yes. <laughs> yes, and? And, and many of them,
1: many, many of them. not just yes, one.
0: So here was a question from Sunday, and I just want to know what y'all would say to that. What's the strangest, most exotic thing you've
1: ever eaten?
2: I actually answered to this in the virtual lobby Sunday since I was a part of the virtual lobby. The rest Uh, of us were doing work. I was was the (laughs) staff member in the virtual lobby. I was greeting people in the virtual lobby. There you go. uh, Along with our engagement team. Yes. Yes. They were doing their job, and then I
1: was probably frustrated. (laughs) Yes. You were
0: counteracting everything they were doing.
1: Uh, Just like in-person teams when it shows up (laughs) to your in-person team and you go, Dear Lord, we were doing our job. Yes. Uh, bull testicles.
0: Oh, really? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were they prepared in any fashion? <laughs> yes, <Okay. Hang> <laughs> they I did
2: not tackle the bull, <laughs> bite <laughs> them off and say, meow. No! <laughs> yeah, that would be even more bizarre.
0: <laughs> I had to know. <laughs> That's <Okay>. right.
2: <laughs> they are prepared. They're, they were, they're, they're pretty tasty.
0: How do you they prepare eat. bull testicles? I have
2: not personally cooked them. Uh, the ones I ate had it appeared to me to be filleted. Huh. and breaded
0: wow huh. so they took some time with this
2: oh yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah wow okay i don't know if you've seen a bull testicle some of them are large. i'm not going around hunting for those <laughs> no, i'm just i'm them.
0: sorry i'm not right. but so uh, up down thumbs up thumb down okay where they good? I,
2: I am not requesting restaurants have them okay yeah. <laughs> that's enough I, that's I, what i, that, we need I to did know. not mind eating them
0: okay I would have minded.
2: But I've also had uh, several rodents served to me I by, bet you have. by Cajuns and mm. Ecuadorians.
0: Mm. Nice. <laughs> I won't ask. <laughs> <laughs> What's I the most exotic thing you ever eat?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because exotic sounds like, yeah. I mean, I've eaten, like, bugs just to, like, freak people out. Sure. I was that guy in, yeah. in middle school. <laughs> like, I've I've eaten, I, I think I've eaten a cockroach. I've eaten all kinds of stuff. So, sure. But that wasn't, like, exotic. That sounds like something. Did you chew it or swallow it? I chewed it. I mean, I don't think I could swallow a cockroach hole. Oh. Uh-huh. I don't think maybe I'll have to do that in my 30s. That'll be my (laughs) next challenge. I don't think, I think I had to chew it. Because, you know, they have those like, and I don't think this was one of those. Oh, some countries eat them. Yeah, Yeah, like chocolate covered cockroaches and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So I think, but um, no, I don't, but I know for sure, I remember for sure eating an earthworm. I remember hmm. that. That was actually, if I remember correctly, that was like a youth ministry thing. That was like well, a- Of course it was. It I was like a dare. A
2: particular youth minister that probably did that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it was like a challenge and they weren't expecting- no
2: longer works around Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was like a like you have to dare up and whoever's willing to take the most gets the point. And like they weren't expecting anyone to do the earthworm and mm-hmm. it was at the top. And I just said, I'll do that one. Hmm. And it- shut everyone down now I okay. not ate the earthworm. So I don't think I've eaten. I mean, I've eaten stuff yeah. on cruises that, you know... Me too. I wouldn't normally eat alligator and stuff like that. I had but, some
0: gator you know. once. I had some escargot.
1: I actually escargot. I like escargot. I like escargot. Like it. It, it was, escargot a, it was excellent, lot. yeah. So I don't know that any of that's super exotic. Uh, yeah, my thought out. was because what, b- because of
0: where I come from, mm-hmm. the most exotic things we eat are these odd combinations of things that okay. we, just, oh, sure. we just like to throw around okay. from my my southern upbringing. Okay, know, like, like what? Um, like there's this concoction that my, my, my dad introduced me to where uh, we'd have uh, pinto beans, mm-hmm. then a, a stack of coleslaw on top of that, and then just slather it in ketchup. Okay. Yeah.
2: I love pinto beans. I love yeah. coleslaw. I like ketchup. I like ketchup. I would probably you eat might it. as well just eat it
0: all together. I would probably yeah. eat that. Okay. So we used to eat that as a I kid. I ain't mad at you. That's not you bad. Um, I, I've, I've eaten uh, mayonnaise in my pork and beans.
2: Hmm. Haven't tried it, but I do love mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> I do I love mayonnaise.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I,
2: I will say <laughs> I'm not a mayonnaise snob. I know there are a lot of Southerners hmm. who I am. have. Are you a snob?
0: I am. I have to have Duke's mayonnaise.
2: Okay. Oh. I
1: well, there you go. I have to have a spoon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or a finger. Or, <laughs> or a finger. Whatever. It Doesn't have, have to be
1: that much. If they have the little squeeze <laughs> stops. You yeah, exactly. just eat it
0: right out of the bottle. So, right. so there you go.
1: Okay. All right. Well, well that there was you go. Fun.
0: I had fun with that. That was thanks great. for thanks for introducing that to us, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, for those of you that haven't showed up early to the service, show up early Come to the into the virtual virtual lobby, lobby and you will find. Is it you always or is somebody Oh, uh, yeah. There?
1: Sometimes, sometimes, uh, lately it's just been me, but, uh, we have plans to introduce some new guests.
2: There will be new hosts.
1: In, new in guests the in, the in the virtual lobby. In virtual the lobby along with me. So nice. we, 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 are, we are, we are working, that. we are working on that. So, yeah. And
2: there's fun chat often.
0: There is lots of chat. Yeah. Fun,
2: there's yeah. fun chatting.
0: And I know you're trying to get more and more people to join us on Facebook these days.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We would love for, if you are, uh, really, uh, either if you come in person... hurt my back. Are you,
0: are you, are you okay? <laughs> what happens
1: when you get too old and live? You, know I mean? you take <laughs> a drink of water and it was just too much...
0: Out of the corner of my eye, it's jerking over here. I thought he was going to go down. Okay, it was temporary. Yeah. Okay, all right. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> you
1: thought uh, I had a heart attack, but it was go just, ahead. It was just Facebook. Back yeah, to so the we have point. Two, we actually have two Facebook groups. So if you uh, primarily come to our in-person campus, uh, we have one that you can find on our Facebook page. So if you go to our Facebook page, there are uh, there's a tab. Depending on where you are, it's over on the left. Or if you're on your phone, you have to. It's up at the top. You just scroll over a little bit. You'll see there's a tab for groups and our groups are listed out there. We have one community Christian in-person group and that's for information for people who come to our in-person campus. And often we post the ticket links and that kind of stuff in there. Um, And the community Christian anywhere group is uh, for anybody who is watching primarily online and they're joining in with us on that way. And we have ways for us to get connected because so if
2: I come in person, you don't want me there
1: uh yeah yeah that's I <laughs> pretty mean, much yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying don't, in oh. particular we don't want ed there but uh <laughs> no but yeah i mean it, it doesn't really it doesn't help uh you or anybody in either of the groups because the point of the groups are for us to be able to create these kind of connections and in particular uh for the community christian anywhere group uh it, it's different than in person where you may pass somebody and mm-hmm. see somebody or you might kind of wave at somebody in the park a lot or that kind of thing uh this allows us to kind of create a community uh, that you might have experienced when you were in person. And we have people who are in our Community Christian Anywhere group who are not in Coweta County, and so yeah. uh, they don't even have the opportunity to come in person if uh, they they would have chosen to. So uh, we really want to create this thing. In fact, I'll go ahead and push this. I think um, I'm going to post something in the Anywhere group again about this soon, but Next Tuesday, so Tuesday the 22nd, uh, we are having a virtual movie night for the Community Christian Anywhere group. This is cool. specifically just for them. This is a chance for, once again, to create kind of an event in a community. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, we're going to be watching the movie The Case for Christ, um, which uh, goes over a lot of the same kind of uh, topics that that Jay Warner Wallace mm-hmm. talked about on Sunday, which is the historical claims of the New Testament and mm-hmm. uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and this Sunday, we're actually hearing from the person whose life this yep, is based on. Right. Lee Strobel, uh, Lee Strobel <laughs> wrote a book called The Case for Miracles. That's what we're going to be hearing about Sunday. Uh, but anyway, we're going to be uh, watching that. And so if you want to, the a way that you can be a part of that virtual movie night is you go to the Community Christian Anywhere group. There's an event in there, uh, and you click either some say interested or going either one. If you mark that you want to be a part of that, we'll get you the information of how to join in with us on that, uh, that virtual movie night.
0: Cool. The way I've been talking to people about it is uh, think of it as having, we have two campuses. Right. One in person right, and one online, and that's the Anywhere Campus. So that absolutely. is our current
2: experience of community Christmas. That's right. Yeah. That's
0: how you interact with us. And yep. in some
2: ways, it's really expanded our yeah, chance to engage definitely. with people we wouldn't have before mm-hmm. and continue to engage with people that used to be able to come in person. It's been a yes. great experience of both. Yes.
0: yeah, A blessing that has come out of COVID. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a
2: really good thing.
0: All right. Uh, let's get to some listener questions. And, uh, yeah, we got a couple uh, specific ones here. We do have questions. Um, this first one, uh, I'm going to let Ed introduce this one because this is a question, questions and a realm of questions that people have been asking you specifically since you did those two messages a few weeks back on the topic of uh, racism and social racial justice. social justice and reconciliation between yep. races and things like that. So you've been getting lots of questions about that, sure. and some in particular you wanted to talk about. So you just leave well.
2: It and someone wound up uh, <laughs> on YouTube contacted me, and so I tried to answer that. But I've had others in email, text, those kind of things, which are great. We mm-hmm. I, I love all of that kind yeah, of interaction. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, and one of them, uh, one of the ones that have come up more than once, are the idea of. Um, Critical race theory mm. and uh, white pri- privilege mm-hmm. and uh, white guilt those, those kind of things all sort of go together and sort of the idea that those things when when I talk about white privilege, that critical race theory and white guilt are driving those kind of things and so I've tried to make the point, and i don't I don't really know where you guys are on this, and it's okay, but for me and for our church. Critical race theory is not driving what we're trying to do mm-hmm. with regard to racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. nor is any sense of white guilt. I've said a couple of times on this particular podcast, I do feel a sense of culpability personally for my lack of leadership in the church mm-hmm. for where we are. Yeah, uh, You guys know, maybe not everybody in our church does. Our church is a little unique in that, I've been given the ability by our by our uh, elders throughout the history of our church to work in our church cooperating with other churches. Now most of you probably don't realize this churches don't cooperate with other no. churches. <laughs> no. I mean that's much to our shame and directly against what Jesus The major prayer Jesus prayed that only we can answer, which is in John 17, that we, brothers and sisters, would be one like he and the Father are one, and that if we were one, the world would know that he was the Son of God, Yep. Mm -hmm. that we are working to defeat that by not working together. So Mm -hmm. for the whole time of this... We've actively started other churches. We've helped support churches mm-hmm. near us. Yeah. It doesn't matter, even if you come into Coweta County, right down the road from us. You aren't our denomination. We don't even. We wouldn't necessarily even agree with everything about you. I have lunch with you. I try to mm-hmm. offer you as much advice as we can. We try to it, get. We will give you things that, to try to help you. We will mm-hmm. try to help you in any way we can. And I have always seen that that divide that exists between churches in general, but primarily. Let me just be clear. In my mind, it was white churches, mm. primarily, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't want to be honest. Now, we have started some churches of racial diversity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but that were intentional that way. But primarily, it's been in my mind, but it has become clear to me that the problem that has existed that I have, have culpability in and that the church has allowed society to drive is there's a division between white brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. and black brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. and Hispanic brothers and sisters in Christ and Korean brothers. All the races that Jesus prayed would be one. Mm-hmm. We have accepted it as normal that we do not work together. Yeah, And so our efforts to bring about racial rec- reconciliation are because our followership of Jesus demands it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
2: demands it. And so yeah. do some political ideologies also want what we want Sure. to a degree? Yeah. yeah. And so do are there things that when they say it, it sounds like what we're doing. I get it. And so people let their politics slide in front of and they yeah. assume that what they've been hearing politically is what's driving me. And our church. But it is not. It's the call of Jesus that there'd be neither slave nor free, rich nor poor. Mm -hmm. All of those things would be wiped away in the name of Him, at the foot of the cross, and I've allowed that for too long. So when people hear guilt, the guilt is over my lack of leadership in that, and our church's lack of leadership in that, and I can't overlook it anymore.
0: I mm-hmm. think I think we said this a few weeks back right here on the podcast. For us, it, it is a kingdom of God issue, yes. and the way it came to me, and it hit me the hardest is I was reading a, a book that we were reading as a staff, and in some way made this statement of, does your church look like the kingdom of God? Because mm-hmm. as a church, we are kingdom bringers in this world. Are do we look like what the kingdom of God will eventually look like when Jesus brings it in its fullness? And, and the answer to that was no. No. Then we've got work to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the way it came to me.
1: Yeah. And I just think, in general, I, as we've already said, the issue for us is a kingdom issue, and so like you said none of none of these kind of terms that lately have become kind of what you whatever you want to call them social justice terms or or any of these kind of political ideologies behind them was the driving force behind them and so um, I think I think it's important when we as Christians engage with those things one to understand that those terms aren't holy or evil by themselves. No. So, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't just assume, well, that's on my side of the aisle, therefore that's a holy term and I need to take that. And that's what Jesus would use yeah. or that this is somehow a fully evil term because it's on the other side of the thing. And also just to understand that, uh, all of these different kind of, so, you know, you even use the term white privilege in, in your sermon, all of these terms, there is no One definition realm of thought around it. Critical race theory, there are, I mean, just hundreds of different definitions of what that means. There are hundreds of different definitions of what white privilege or even white guilt means. And so uh, as we talked about I think on the last podcast, I always think it's so important when engaging with people and you hear them use a term to begin by going, Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. So uh, not to get caught up with what you heard, that's what that means. What triggered you. What triggered (laughs) you, what kind of gets you into it. And because if, once again... Since we're trying – for us, this is a kingdom issue, and I would hope for you as a believer, especially if you call community Christian your home, this is a kingdom issue for you too. When we don't agree on a term, we begin on the same playing field of, well, we're both trying to bring the kingdom. Maybe there's a misunderstanding that has nothing to do with the kingdom Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we also know this, and you kind of mentioned this. Even among Christians, terms like gospel don't mean all the same time. Oh, no. Yeah. No. When you say gospel and I say gospel, it doesn't mean the same thing. But hopefully what I what I assume is you love Jesus, I love Jesus. We both we both are at least agreeing on some bottom level, and we can work around what does good news mean? What does kingdom of God mean? Mm-hmm. When is Jesus come back? All these little terms that for as you mentioned, I thought very well, has split the church over the often, often the defining of a term. I know there's other kind of practices around, but it really is, well, I don't mean the same thing you mean when I say that we can't or be brothers and practices, sisters.
2: the way I carry it out or not the way you carry it right. out. Right. And
1: yeah. we're going to split over this mm-hmm. thing, and we can't even relate over this thing. And so I think in general, from, from our point of view as a church, it has to be maybe when you hear certain terms, like we said, it triggers you. But I think it's important to go, well, the church isn't doing this because of that term, so I don't have to—we don't, don't even have to battle over the term.
0: Yeah.
2: We can just— it, But it, I do want to say again, it's okay for you to ask. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. for you to ask,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: but to know—and I, I know my liberal friends will probably not like this. I didn't even know what critical race theory was until this summer. I right. had not—I hadn't really heard the phrase. It yeah. probably says—I mean, I'm—there are a lot of phrases I haven't heard. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But— I have. I do know what it know, means now. I know what's behind it. It hasn't driven me at all mm-hmm. on any of this kind of stuff. Yeah. So there. That's the question. I just know that when one or two people ask me something, there are probably other people that have it that haven't an answered asked it. Sure. And I thought I might as well answer. Good.
0: All right. Our next question uh, was sent to us, and I'm going to have to do a little background on this one because it came directly out of Sunday service. So this will kind of lead us into our uh, discussion of what we talked about or what we heard talked about on Sunday. None of us talked about it. No, we didn't. That's we actually right. listened to an expert on it. Um, w- so on Sunday, we uh, we heard from J. Warner Wallace, uh, and you've already mentioned him once, but mm-hmm. he wrote the book Cold Case Christianity. He was a homicide detective who worked on cold cases, was an atheist, decided to Uh, put Christianity to the same rigors that he used in his profession of uh, detective and put the claims of Christianity to uh, investigation and wound up becoming a Christian and now speaks all over the world uh, about his approach to faith. And one of the things that he mentioned in uh, his talk that this person sort of caught on is, and they asked, they said, the hidden science that Mr. Wallace pointed out in John 19 was really interesting. Do you know if there are any other uh, hidden science, things like that, in the Bible? Now, again, back background on this, if you missed it. He mentioned in his talk about um, how the accounts of Jesus, and he used a specific thing. He said sometimes you'll see things in the Bible that to the people who wrote it, would not have necessarily made sense at the time. But now that we have science that we looked into it, it now confirms some of the things that they could not have known back then. And his example was the account of Jesus being uh, driven through with a spear at the end of his life and how water flowed. And he talked about how for many years the church fathers wrote about it, and they thought it was just a metaphor because they didn't know anything about this. Now, as science has, has understood, the sack of fluid that creates around the heart at the moment of death. That's what he was witnessing. John would not have known what he Mm. was seeing, but he just reported what he saw. And so it's a confirmation of the eyewitness accounts. And so this person was saying, man, that was really cool. Are there any other incidences like that in the scriptures? Uh, I found a few. Good. I don't know if Go y'all ahead. have some. Uh, I do
2: not know any off the top of my head, okay. but that's not my field of study.
0: No. Yeah, this is my sort of my deal. I, I love this kind of stuff. So um, one of the ones that I didn't even have to look up that I had heard years ago, someone taught me this, and I don't remember where I got it, but uh, in the Old Testament, uh, in the law, uh, there's the law about circumcision, and uh, it is prescribed in the law that uh, male infant children are to be circumcised on the eighth day of their life. Now, for for generations nobody knew why the 8th day. Okay, it just says the 8th day, we'll do the 8th day. Interesting though, now we understand that on the 8th day of your life is the moment where blood clotting actually begins. Hmm. It's it's hmm. the uh, and the, the technical stuff that happens is you have to have a sufficient amount of vitamin K in your bloodstream in order for your clotting mechanism to actually sure. function. Huh. So on days 5 through 7 of life, you are developing that, but on day seven, day eight, right in that area, is when it clicks in. And so day eight would have been the perfect day to perform that procedure. Your blood clot's better on that day than probably any day in your life. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a cool... That's cool very cool. Very, very cool. cool scientific fact that they would not have known. And then there are some other things like, um, you know, the Old Testament has a lot of sanitary laws that, mm-hmm. looking back on it now, we would say, well, that's because of germs. But then they wouldn't have known that. They didn't right. have any kind of germs. It, right. Germ germ,
2: like germ theory is not 150 years no, old No, it's, it's very recent. Very recent.
0: But there are some things in the Old Testament law that are very very sanitary and comply with what we would know now uh, that germs do. Um, Another one that uh, I had forgotten about um, is in one of the accounts of uh, the, the passion narrative when Jesus is before he goes to the cross is when he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane, and one of the writers, I can't remember if it's John or Mark, I can't remember, but he rep- records that he began, he was distressed and began to sweat drops mm-hmm. of blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that the early church fathers read, and they thought, again, that's a metaphor. Right. That, that didn't really happen, but now we know that there is a condition that happens, and it happens under extreme stress, when pe- and, and it usually happens, I read, when people are at the point of anticipating death hmm. and their, um, your sweat glands will rupture, uh, mm-hmm. and blood will seep in and blood gets mixed with your sweat. I'm guessing so capillaries it, from your skin. Yes. It? And it, mm-hmm. it all, and it all mixes with your sweat. And so it, it will appear as if you are sweating blood or at least a blood like substance. Hmm. And there's a name for it. I can't remember the name hmm. right off the top of my head. But.
2: And that's even what is said. It doesn't say sweat blood, it says sweat like blood. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So that's just another example of things that the biblical writers would not have known that scientifically now we kind of do. Uh, and there's a there's there's several of these. And I and I've read some that are a little of a stretch. So I wouldn't go too far on this because there are some passages like in the Old Testament, especially in the uh poetic books like Psalms and uh, even in the book of Job, there are some statements that are made that are kind of meant to be metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um and so and then we can break them out to today and say, well, they were actually speaking literally, and you have to be kind of careful with those. Um, One that I thought was sort of fascinating that I never thought of is there's a passage in the book of Job, and I don't have the reference with me right now, but the passage in the book of Job where God is speaking, and he says, he mentioned something about the star constellation of Orion, which is that three-star constellation that's supposed to be like the belt around oh, Orion's, yeah, yeah. Orion's waist. And he talks about how are, are, I'm the one who holds Orion's belt together. And now astronomy has proven that those three stars are being held together by a magnetic force and hmm. they will not be pulled apart, hmm. which, again, the writers of the Bible wouldn't have known that. Right? How did that come in there? So, you know, interesting little... Yeah,
2: I think it's important to use it the way, because I try to always say to people, you know, the Bible's not trying to be a book of science, mm -mm. right? It's not trying to teach you science. That's right. Uh, But he was using it to say there are things in there that they wrote. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have been writing to prove anything. They were just writing what was happening. Yes. So you're going to have more confidence that what they wrote is, in fact, what happened, because they would have no way to make this up that later we'd go, oh, that is what
0: happens at death. Exactly. Right. So, so he was talking, uh, and that's the answer to that question for whoever sent that one in. Yeah. Um, and I would just say you can two of those things that I just mentioned. I actually found on coldcasechristianity.com, dot com, which is mm. Jay Warner Wallace's yeah. website. He's got lots of articles. If you're interested in that thing, go to his website, and you'll probably find more. I
2: Thought he was a very engaging. Presenter. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was really engaging. Yep. I agree.
0: All right, so uh, in the talk, uh, he mentioned this, this approach to Christianity that he took that we, you know, in, in-house, in church, call apologetics. Mm-hmm. You may not be familiar with that uh, term, but it is just the, it is giving evidence or reasons to believe the events in the Bible are true and historical. Uh, so here was my question, it'll maybe get some discussion going. How, do apolog- how can the apologetics approach be a help to those of us who are believers or seeking faith in Christ. But on the flip side, and I've seen this, it can actually be, do the opposite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's, can we talk about that for just a moment? And, and I know, I know you've definitely seen it. I'm sure you've seen mm-hmm. it as well. Um, helpful, harmful to approach faith that way.
2: I think I think it's it, it's both. I think anything that you're trying to get to, where you're trying to produce absolute certainty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wind up being in really dangerous mm-hmm. kind of position.
0: And I thought it was good that he mentioned that very point mm-hmm. when he said, "You anything is possible, right? Yes. You know, but not everything is probable, right?" It's a good way to think about
2: mm-hmm. it. Because when we say it's a faith, it doesn't mean blind faith. There's a That's difference right. between faith. I have faith in both of you all because we've known each other for I mean, him his whole life and you for a long, long time now. That if you tell me something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Do I know for sure it's going to happen? I don't know for sure. But I have a lot of evidence to back up that that's true. Mm -hmm. Could you fool me? Absolutely, Mm -hmm. you could fool me. That doesn't mean that I made a mistake somehow. It just means that you didn't come through and that Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have trusted you in that instance because people are that way. We still have faith. We still have to have faith. Everything, in the end, there's evidence that points me in a direction, Mm -hmm. but... I wasn't there on resurrection morning.
0: Right. Well, a lot of people, I think, confuse the term faith with just wishful thinking. Yeah. There, mm-hmm. there
2: is a vast difference between hoping a big and faith.
0: Hope and faith are not the yeah, same. thing. It's, it's a big difference. Faith, and, and you've used that stool illustration for oh, yeah. years now. It's, it's about, I, I can believe that the stool will hold me up, but until I put my weight on it and I sit and I don't have a backup plan, that I'm not really faithing Right, that's <laughs> right. right. Faith, I, I, and we've said this many times in sermon series. I think the word faith should most of the time be translated trust
1: mm-hmm.
0: in in its practical sense because mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. right. It is placing my weight on something, trusting that it will be there, that it will hold me up, and it, and that so that affects the way I live my life, not just what I think. Right, mm-hmm. and that's where I think it matters because if if you if you mean by faith just what I think, I think it happened. That's not faith. Faith is is belief in action. Right. It is placing your trust into that thing. So mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think with when it comes to the, the apologetics being helpful or harmful, I think um I I think both is probably the right answer. Um I, I, I think you all once again you have to determine what you mean when you talk about apologetics too, because you know, uh, when I first came on staff to do stuff with youth, I I, I dove really hard into a lot of apologetic stuff because um, one of the things in 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 my personal journey of faith, when I went to college, I had tons of. Uh, of answers, what I've heard one preacher say, Sunday school answers to real world problems. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when I would sit in a class and someone would bring up evolution and I was taught, well, you can't believe in evolution in the Bible. And so I would go back at them and then it became clear every single science class I was in, they were like, mm, no, you need to stop talking about this because you don't know. a very, because my personality is just, if you're going to ask a question, I'm going to answer the question. And so very publicly, I would get embarrassed about that or all my philosophy classes were the same kind of thing. And so it became clear to me, I didn't really have any thought behind anything. And so I think when you have to, um, I, I heard one person say it as people can easily be talked out of their faith because they weren't talked into their faith. And I think that part is very important and not that you need to be talked into your faith, but that at some point you do understand, okay? There are rational reasons I can believe this, mm-hmm. and specifically the resurrection of Jesus. And that's where I want to. That's where I want to say. I think things often get harmful is when they go away from the resurrection of Jesus. I agree, yes. I, um. I I've had so many conversations, and the reason so to finish my point of why I went into apologetics, I I dealt with upper level uh, high school students for a long time, and I made it a point of I would challenge them a lot. To, I would bring up questions to them that they hadn't thought about that were kind of apologetics questions. Mm-hmm. Why does God let bad things happen and make them answer the question so that they'd have to think about it and they'd have to deal with it? And I think there's a there's a level of that that's, in, that's important. But on the other side of it, there are also, I remember sitting with one student one time and they said, I can't believe the Bible because of camels. <laughs> and I said, that's a new one. I haven't heard camels before. And apparently there's... You know, because you can find almost anything on the Internet. There's this theory somewhere on the Internet that is uh, when Abraham left, when he was still Abram Uh and he was in Egypt and he left, it named that he took the, the king of Egypt, gave him a bunch of camels. Well, apparently at that point in history, there's no evidence of camels being in Egypt at the time. Therefore, you can't trust it. Well, if you do a little bit of research on it, you figure out they were talking. I can't remember which one. So you can figure it out. There's some it's either. There were no two humped camels. You know, there are two humped camels and there's one humped oh, okay. camel. Right. Well, there's no archaeological evidence for one of those, but there is archaeological evidence for another set of camels. So anyway, my point is that kind of apologetics argument, and so d- with that particular student, suddenly when I answered that question, mm-hmm. they didn't suddenly believe in Jesus because that wasn't the thing well, that was holding. Right. They had
2: another question. They yes. had
1: another question, and I think there's a level on both sides. If you're a, a skeptical mm-hmm. person, yes. um, it, you get you get to a place where you're just delving into so many questions that are never going to answer anything for you because the reason that we... And this is where we got to in the service. It wasn't where J. Warner Wallace did, but it's where we get down. The reason we are Jesus followers is because of the resurrection. The reason I trust the Bible's uh, authenticity and the reason I trust it because Jesus trusted the Bible's authenticity. Mm-hmm. Jesus pointed to the Old Testament scriptures as, as scripture, as being something that's trustworthy. So I don't have to get into all these, did the walls of Jericho fall and did all these different kind of questions that people bring up. I can get to, do I trust Jesus? So that I think is helpful. I think the other part is harmful. I also think it's harmful for believers who want to treat apologetics as a subject to just puff up myself with a bunch of knowledge. Or
2: or also as a way to use against their friends. Because my 40 years experience is people do have genuine questions. No no doubt. They're genuine questions. I need to help them with them. But I've learned through the years the most appropriate response when somebody says to me, hey, I can't believe because why is, Why would God allow the kind of stuff that happened to X, Y, Z happen? Mm-hmm. And I go, wow, you know, of all the questions you could have thought to ask me, why is that the one? I said, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help you with that. But mm-hmm. could you just tell me why that question matters to you? Yeah. There's always a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always something that is driving. If it's a if it's a genuine question. Right. Now i've i've had <laughs> i've had other people that I figure out qu- qu- pretty quickly. It's the question they've used to stump other people. Sure. Right. So, I just think for Christians, if you genuinely care about your friends that have questions for you, figuring out why they're why they have questions. Yes. Is va- as is as important. As answering their question, and often more so, apologetics are not to be used as a weapon. That's right. Everything we're trying to do is move people in their next step toward Jesus. And if there is a question that is hindering you from even looking at Jesus, Mm -hmm. I need to do everything I can Mm -hmm. to get you to look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. But a large part of it is relational. I know people. I know people that have genuine questions that are listening to this are really going to be offended. But I I don't mean to offend you. I do believe you have questions. I'm willing to try to help with those questions. Well, I
1: think that's the both end of it, which is if the relationship is what matters most to me, I'm going to answer your questions. So once again, like if I have a friend come to me and say, hey, I know you've studied the Bible a lot. I came across this passage. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to go. "Mm." Mm hmm. Let me figure out, right, but because I have a relationship with you i 'm building trust with you, and I may go okay here 's the answer, or why is why do you want to know or but at mm-hmm. some point i 'm going to give you an answer, but when it becomes clear to me in the conversation hey th- this may be coming from a deeper place, mm-hmm. and that 's why I think it, it, going off your point, which I think is huge for followers of Jesus, we have to remember in every conversation. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people mm-hmm. to him, and it's not us. And so, and Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit's going to give us the words to say. Not that that means that we shouldn't do any research and get any answers on our own. But if I already have the answer, the Holy Spirit's going to let me know, should I ask a why question or should I just answer the question? Should and But if I think, and this is where I was going with the puff up, if I think, well, my knowledge is going to, I've had this kind of, because I often, part of my job here is I train people in having conversations like this. And I've regularly said, if you think your answer is going to bring them to Jesus, you think you're Jesus. You think you're <laughs> the savior of them. That's not the way it works. It's their journey to Jesus. And you're often the person, and that is a humbling position, which is I'm just walking arm in arm by you. I know I've been to Jesus before, and I'm, I, I know how to get you there. And so I think there's one part of it. And then I also throw this out because you said the thing about People listening may have genuine questions. I was just listening before I came to hear Dr. Cornell West, who's a great mm-hmm. speaker, brilliant- i mean philosopher but also believer and he said in in the thing he said, if you're not skeptical about your skepticism, you become skeptical of the wrong things yeah, which that's a pretty deep I mean, I mean, So you got to think about that my, yeah.
2: my philosopher, as we always get to, Dallas used mm-hmm. to always say you have to believe your beliefs and doubt, doubt your, your doubts, doubts. doubts and doubt your beliefs." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and believe your doubts yeah. right <laughs> do it all you have to yeah. do all of those things
0: well and for me i, I and i think i think i said this i'm a, this approach to faith has always appealed to me mm-hmm. uh, it hit me when i was in college uh, when i was coming out of a church upbringing, uh, that I, like you said, Nathan, I didn't have a lot of good reasons. Mm. It was just the way I was brought up. And so then I began to delve into a lot of these books and research and things that had been done. And, and I started realizing, wow, there's, there's good reasons and it and it reignited uh, my right. faith. It made it my own. And so I'm, I'm very partial to lots of different apologists. I love reading them. I love studying all that kind of stuff. Um, but when it comes down to it, um, that I don't know where I was going, but exactly where I lost my train of thought but when it for me it was it was something that reignited my faith but as you said I I can't base everything on my faith on that because eventually I do I am going to come across a question that I can't answer mm-hmm. and and yet that used to frustrate me when I was younger in my faith but now uh, the, the way that I've sort of approached that is, you know, if at any point I were to get all the questions answered, I have probably now created a God mm. instead of worshiping one. Yeah. And yes. that has stuck with me a long, long time, because if I am truly worshiping the God of the universe, there, he's going to be mysterious in some ways He's and infinite. unknowable yeah. in some ways. And mm. so I, I have to be. I have to be okay in my limited knowledge enjoy what he has revealed to me and and use that as he would have me do it um but not use it like you said as a weapon or as something where I'm going to arrive mm-hmm. and that's been the struggle for me cuz I love to I, I love God with my mind that's my primary way of loving sure. God um so um that brings up to my next question was um w- What are some of the evidence? I just thought this would be an interesting question because we've all looked into this stuff. And as you said, Nathan, the centrality of our faith is the resurrection of Mm -hmm. Jesus. And that is the thing that our faith hangs on. Um, What are some of the uh, evidences that you've heard throughout your time following Jesus that has been the most impactful or convincing to you of the truth of the resurrection? Well,
2: and again, everybody that's a regular listener to our podcast knows or heard me talk hardly. Ever. I I love history. I just love history. And uh, if you do much ancient historical reading, which I unfortunately do for fun, <laughs> no one has an explanation. The, Christianity is totally unique among world religions in that it isn't... <laughs> Every other religion, when you look at Islam, Islam started in the area of Saudi Arabia and that area of the world. Mm -hmm. Primarily, it majority still is that area. The ones that are Eastern religions, not that there aren't other adherents around the world now, but mostly in that area. But the center of Christianity has always been on the move with people. Mm -hmm. It started in an area. It went from a very small handful who believed this outrageous thing, and they they didn't even center it around the teaching of Jesus. They really Mm -hmm. didn't. That happened later. Their primary message when you read the Gospels, (laughs) I mean, when you read the book of Acts and you read what they're really talking about in the letters, they're talking about the resurrection. Mm -hmm. They're going to places of people who do not believe in the Jewish God who they believed in who believe in other little tribal gods. Mm-hmm. And they're saying the one true God came mm-hmm. and human beings killed him, which just think about that. Yeah. How does a human being kill a God? That's,
0: that's not <laughs> a very winsome message.
2: <laughs> right. And then that God resurrected. And so we follow him. He's overcome the ultimate thing. And it literally took over an empire and began to spread and continues to spread in every language and tongue around the world. No one has a good sociological Mm -hmm. reason of why that should happen because it has not happened in any other faith.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: So for me, when I finally got down to how do I know for sure that the resurrection, when I hear what the gospel writers say and what they said happened just in the little part of what we have in the New Testament, which is literally (laughs) only covers. 50 years, Mm -hmm. 60 years, 70 years at most after the resurrection. Mm. Yeah. Then all the rest that happened out of that. Yeah. There's, there's God involved in that. Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. God is involved in that somehow because it's not, everybody else goes, yeah, we don't really know. Yeah. We don't really know. And people come up with explanations and then you go, so if that's the explanation, why hasn't anybody else done that?
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It should be able to replicate it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot for me. Um, One that I just recently heard that just really resonated with me was if you look at the transformation that happened right around uh, the time of of Jesus' resurrection of the approach and attitude that those people took toward death. It's it's Mm -hmm. an astounding 180-degree turn. Mm -hmm. You go from a, a culture and religions that all saw death as something to be feared and um, a final kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, literally overnight, people began to refer to death as sleep. Mm -hmm. And if you refer to something as sleep, it means you're going to wake up. Mm -hmm. And to not only refer to it that way, but then to live their lives in such a way that they did not fear it in the slightest. And that's that's the thing that you go from uh, disciples who are afraid to even be associated with Jesus once he was being led away to his death to within a matter of days, they come out and they're like, kill us if you want to, because that don't matter no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then continue to live that way all the way through to the end of their lives and never once wavered on that. You know, I, I don't know who I heard mention that just recently, but you know Jesus did the same thing when he came on the scene, he started referring to death as sleep, and people laughed at him.
2: yeah she's mm-hmm. just asleep,
1: she's baby. asleep
0: and they, and they mocked him and, and all of that kind of stuff and then all, and the, the disciples scared of death and their own mortal, mor, mortality, and then resurrection happens, or you know people say they reported that it happened, but then they changed. something happened in them that and, it, and that can happen in one person, Sure, you can have a crazy person who goes crazy. But that don't happen with hundreds and even thousands, 3,000 in one day turn. It's it just that, mm-hmm. again, it, it's one of those things that I don't have an explanation for. No. There, and it's never happened before. It mm-hmm. And that's just one of I tons.
1: think the one that I probably <laughs> most talk to students about, because this is the thing that I would always prepare seniors for when they're about to go to college, is um, there are going to be a lot of things probably thrown at you in classes that are going to make you question at some point whether you should believe this or not. And I said, but if you can always get back to, did Jesus rise from the dead, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, and these are the questions I would ask your history professor if they, you know, and I said, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get into it with a a science professor, not that, you know, your chemistry professor, but they're not going to know the ancient. This is a historical thing, not a scientific. That's right. It's It's just different. It's just a different thing. And so um, I said, I would, I said, but if your ancient history professor wants to talk, I would ask them, do you agree that Jesus lived, which 98% yeah. of historians agree Jesus lived? They agree he was crucified. They agree that the tomb was empty because yep. no one ever produced a body. Yep. right? But then the biggest ones for me are the, uh, uh, the apostle Paul. A lot mm-hmm. of people point to James, who's the brother of Jesus, which I sure. think is a really good evidence. But mm-hmm. Paul, undeniably, is historical. Yeah. No one denies that there was a mm-hmm. Saul who went by Paul of Tarsus, who was a Jewish radical extremist who mm-hmm. was willing to kill Christians, then all of a sudden is yeah. around and dies about 20 years later, uh, over, over his faith in Jesus and his preaching about Jesus. In fact, you know, we ta- he talked on Sunday, um, J. Warner Wallace mentioned that how early the gospel accounts are, but mm-hmm. the truth is earlier than those is Paul's account of the gospel. Yeah. We know for sure because he died in the 50s, sometime in the 50s, right? Yeah. In yes. Early yes. 60s. Yeah. And, and
0: we've dated 1 Corinthians to within a less than a decade of the... Well, Christ. it's
2: not the earliest. Galatians, we know, is yeah, the right. first book he wrote. That's right. right. It's the very first one that mm-hmm. he wrote. And it, we know when, we can date 1 Corinthians, so we know mm-hmm. it's before that. So right. mm-hmm. he's writing... At most, he's writing 15, 20 years. Yes. And he's
1: specifically writing about Jesus rose from the dead, Peter saw him, you know, the women saw him. He goes through all these different things. And so there is no explanation to me because you would be curious too. You take Osama bin Laden before his death, or you take the leader of ISIS, or you take anybody who's willing, you know, who publicly has been executing Christians and then all of a sudden is going, hey guys, you who I've just trained to kill, y'all can kill me, but mm-hmm. I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Everyone would admit, because everyone's heard of, you know, you go to prison and you found Jesus, and that I get why people are skeptical of that. And deathbed conversions, I get why people are skeptical of that. No one's really skeptical of a guy who's at the height of his power, mm-hmm. going at it, going at destroying this religion, suddenly is willing to be killed by the same people he was working with previously, there is something around that. And the second one, and you guys kind of talked about stuff like this, but I call it the aftershocks, right? You see mm-hmm. kind of the things of the way people viewed death and the, the way the church grew. But there's a um, historian that I really like these days, and he's not e- he's not even a Christian. His name's Tom Holland, and he is a um, – not Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man. A different a different Tom Holland.
0: You didn't have to say that for yeah, me. Okay.
1: <laughs> the, but uh, Tom Holland who's um, – He's a British historian, and I just recently heard him say he doesn't call – he said, he said, I don't believe necessarily in Jesus, but <laughs> I am – I believe – Uh, He goes, I am am more of a Christian than I ever would have said before. And his point was, he said, when he grew up, he saw himself more. He loved the ancients and the classics, and he loved Plato and Socrates. He goes, I would have always seen myself as a Greek and a Roman because, you know, they came up with democracy, and they came up with all these beautiful ideas that go through everything, he said. But when he really did the research into ancient history— it was a brutal callous time that is so alien to us and he said to the point that um and to the point that there was this and he said i can't remember the word he used for it but it was like there's a cavalierness to how brutal they were that it was just like well of course i do that Mm -hmm. of course who else would not treat slaves this Mm -hmm. way who else would not treat people and that guy spoke disrespectfully to me so i cut his head off yes if you had power (laughs) and you had authority in you know if you were not a man who owned property and didn't have some political thing everyone's life was terrible children everybody's life was horrible and he said it is there are shock waves from the moment of the of of the beginning and he wouldn't talk about the resurrection because he's in this believe it, but he would say from the birth of Christianity mm-hmm. that there is something different about this, that it radically changed. And I get that in our country in particular, in, in the Western world, Christianity has often been a part of what people would say is not progressing culture, but throughout the history of the world Christianity has progressed to our kind of modern ideals of human rights and human dignity. It did not exist before that. And so to me, I go, these are people who are under persecution in this horrible, brutal, that to me, that's the aftershocks of something. Yep, yep. There's something. So something happened. Something happened. And then when you get to those kind of minimal facts, and Paul's the one I tend to point to, is how do they explain Paul? Now, they historians all agree on those facts they come to different conclusions and I love Jay Warner Wallace's point is you might have to admit if we all agree about the facts but our conclusions are different I may be viewing through a different lens and I may have a bias that I'm putting in front which is nothing supernatural yeah, I thought he did happen. really
2: well if mm-hmm. if I come into it and say prove to me Jesus resurrected And I say, well, a miracle took they go, Well right. If you automatically deny that something other than what you can see and touch can't happen, okay. Mm -hmm. There's not much to talk about. There's not I mean, at that point you've already eliminated the chance that something you don't know, know could exist. Yeah.
0: And the approach that you, you took, and I'm sure you knew this, but the approach that Nathan just took uh, to the resurrection is called the minimal facts approach. Right. And right. that, if you're interested in that, that's one of the best things I've seen in a long time. Dr. Mm-hmm. Gary Habermas oh, yeah. is the guy who uh, coined that. I and mean, these are the facts that nobody disputes. And um, if you could start with those, yes, you're on really good ground uh, for the proof of the resurrection. So mm-hmm. if you want to look that up, you can just google that i'm sure you'll find it but nathan um why don't you talk for just a second since we've opened up this issue of apologetics uh, i know you've got something coming up real soon for people who are uh have questions or interested in that kind of approach to yeah. exploring faith it's called alpha so you tell them about that
1: yeah so alpha is a course um that was developed out of england and uh are we we've done one or two here we've done some for students here Um, And we're running one again. And the, the, the idea of Alpha is really that it's a place to discuss the big questions of life. Um, and so the difference between Alpha and anything else, and I always joke with people that I'm, I'm very much an Alpha-holic. Uh, I am obsessed <laughs> with Alpha. I, I love it. I it is one of the best things I've been a part of as far as helping people to understand this. Um, so to be clear, this is really a course for people who are skeptical of the Christian faith. They have questions. They're genuinely seeking. Not for people who are, you've been a baptized believer for 30 years, and you just mm-hmm. want to get some more information. Yeah. I want to be able to prove to my brother. Right. Mm-hmm. That is not what this is because this course does answer questions and does give a lot of great answers, but the part that's best that I've ever experienced is the way people get to discuss and they get to share their point of view and we can get to the, the deeper wise. And I'll even say the point of the course is not that at the end of it, if you're skeptical, you somehow have this magical conversion that at the end you just you have no more questions and you you magically believe everything. The point is that you... Enter into a community where you feel safe to have these conversations and to better understand things. Um, and so if you want to be a part of that is it current is it right now on the- I just put it on the website today. Okay, so if you go to cccanywhere.com or sharpsburgchurch.com depending on the if website. You're in person. Yeah, it's on both, so either one will work. Uh, there's a card there that says Alpha and like I said, if you're someone who's at the point of you're not sure you believe all this or maybe you are at a point where you would have called yourself a believer but you're beginning to kind of question it. This is this is really a course to help you kind of have a safe place to have the questions and the doubts that maybe You've been a little nervous to talk to other people. So about. let
2: me just speak on the behalf of the believer and ask you a question: Can I sign up my son uh, to make him
1: come? Oh, sign up your <laughs> like your teenage son <laughs> yeah. to make him come. You can. Well, you could it, try. Is anything possible? <laughs> yes, but uh, no. I would. Can I, would,
2: I make my boss, who yeah. <laughs> doesn't believe and is always making fun of me? Can I make him? Can I sign him? I'm no. trying to yes, I just I want to, to be yeah. really no. clear. Yes. Mm-hmm. You you should tell them about it. You should invite yeah. them to it. You and, should encourage them. And
1: I think if, if, if you've been having conversations with people, so I know I said before that if you're a believer and, you know, you're just wanting to get information, this isn't for you. I'll say this. If you're a believer and you have a friend that you've been having dialogue with and you think they will come if you come with them, that's a different deal. Yes. If you will come to the course with them, that's a different deal. I, I just have – I've frequently had to, when we first started doing this, have conversations with people of, hey, I don't really think this is for you because mm-hmm. you, you already believe. You're already involved. This is all fine but yeah, so don't make anybody don't sign anybody up don't don't ambush anybody be very clear what it's about we are we are talking about the big questions of life very first week is is there more to life than just what I can see but it's clearly from a Christian perspective we are giving our point of view uh, in these talks there's kind of there's a video that has some talks that shows the Christian point of view, but then the other forty five to an hour depending on how long people want to discuss is everyone else's point of view. It is not... So it is beginning from a Christian point of view. So mm-hmm. I would be clear on what it is and not to... That's and I mean. the
2: tone of it is, just for everybody, it's not to get your friend in there and we're going to shout them down.
1: No. No,
0: it's, it's a
2: conversation. I just, just want to be really clear. Yeah, I that think that's that great. This yeah. is not a chance for us to gang up on them
1: yeah I've been we've been going through training with the team who's gonna I'm a part of I'm a part of the team but I'm not actually leading this one I'm just on the technical help side but I've been a part of training the team and one of the things is often even if somebody says something that you completely disagree with and you find offensive the answer is okay thanks for sharing and you move on to the net and mm -hmm. allow people to share that it's not my job as the person in the room to convince you it's I believe, and this is what it's based on, if you will open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and you will open yourself up to God's influence, as you talk about these things, I don't ha- and I think Jason said this before if it's true, I don't have to defend it that's right. right that's right and so we can present our point of view and if and we would love for you to share your point of view and to be a part of the conversation so and we can be def-
2: friends even if
1: you disagree even if we disagree we can love everyone always in spite of that yes imagine
0: that so Nathan is this a virtual thing or is this in person?
1: This is this is uh, all virtual so all right. um yeah so and we we are starting soon i think either this upcoming week or the next one but if if you see this a little later you can always jump in it's a 9 week course so yep. there's there's a lot of content out there
0: okay. so and wrapping up, we also have Rising Against Hunger starting up yeah. real soon. We're yep. we're
1: still
2: trying to. We've got all the volunteers we need. Oh, we do. We have all the volunteers okay. that we need. Didn't know it. that. I mean, if you were hoping to do it, and you're one of those people, I'm gonna keep my options open to the last. Minute. <laughs> yeah, your, your options option, are not. Your option left you. That's, That's right. 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 <laughs> you, <laughs>
1: you your your other wait. options are wide open. <laughs> you, you wait. You waited
2: too long, but we still. You know, we have to pay for all the meals, yep. and so we will put the link. I'll have Joel uh, take the link and put it in the description of this, so yep. that you can. Okay. Donate to Rise Against Hunger. We ask for $15 per person or whatever you could give to help us buy meals. $15 buys about 45 meals.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. So, all right. We'll put all that stuff into the description. We'll put Alpha, we'll put Rise Against Hunger. Is it right? forty five I don't yeah, know. I'm trying Doesn't to think. It? I can't remember. We won't check. It's pennies. Pennies it's penny, on the dollar. It's not
2: very it's not very much.
0: But like I said, we'll we'll put all those links. We'll put the alpha link, yep. we'll put the rise against hunger link maybe in four, the description. Four, Ed, nobody cares. <laughs> I'm
1: trying to think. Stop. <laughs>
0: nobody cares. Okay.
1: So I'm trying to wrap this up under an hour. I'm sorry. We're coming up on
0: it. So, all right. So be here next, this coming Sunday, we're going to hear, like you said, from Lee Strobel. He's going to be talking about miracles and the evidence of miracles that are happening now, today, not just back in the Bible time. So if you've ever wondered that question, do miracles still happen today? I think Sunday is going to open your eyes and to a lot of cool it
1: things. Is, if you've never heard Lee, Lee is exceptionally engaging. He's ex- a great speaker. And I'll just tell you, it is one of the most emotional of, I think it's probably yeah, the most emotional of the four. It is. Uh, y- there's something you're going to You don't want to miss this. Do not, you're not, do going not miss this. it on Sunday.
0: Something you probably have never experienced before in your life will happen in the service. Yes. Let's just leave it at that yeah all right so be here either online or in person we'll see you Sunday.